0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I am James Anderson. I'm going to be your host for the next few months. Uh, As always, we're brought to you by WinBet. And I'll be having a lot of my friends from from the industry on uh, over these next few months. Uh, we'll be talking a lot of prospects, talking a lot of dynasty, talking some redraft for twenty twenty two when we get a little closer to that time. Uh, but I thought there'd be no better first guest for my first off season podcast than my old buddy Ian Kahn of the Athletic. Uh, Ian had a had a really good uh, fantasy baseball season this year. Um, took down AL labor, I believe. Um, and Ian's as good as they come when it comes to Dynasty Baseball. So, Ian, thanks so much for ha- uh, being on the show. How are you doing?
2: I'm good. Good, partner. It's good to, to be with you, and uh, I'm honored to be your first guest in, in, on the off season. I'm sure that you're going to be bringing on a lot of great people, so uh, honored to be hitting leadoff this year. <laughs> Hell yeah. Where where did you hit back,
1: uh, back in your playing days?
2: I hit third, mostly. Uh, third or fourth that was, was pretty good back in the day.' <laughs> <laughs> this is a long time ago but yeah yeah third or fourth.
1: Nice um, So yeah I mentioned uh, I mentioned you, you took down labor um is was that kind of the the big score in terms of leagues people have heard of this year for you?
2: Yeah, I'd say that was the that was the the big win. Um, I also uh, fortunately with my partner Robert Mershak, we won uh, a league called Dynasty League one. Um, which is uh, a, a league that I've been in for a very long time and fighting it out with Alex Cushing and finally just passed him with five out of the last nine years, either Cushing or myself has won the league and finally just passed him five to four. So, so I feel pretty good about that. Uh, and it was a ridiculous ending came down literally to the last at bat uh playing rabbi Ari sunshine. Who's as good a fantasy player as he is a rabbi. Um, but it's a good, good industry league. Some really good players in that league and, uh, and devil's rejects, which we play in together ended up third out of 20. Um, just couldn't get the, the pitching Wilson. Cameron and I, we just couldn't get the pitching at the end. Uh and, and numerous other leagues, uh, but it was a good overall, a very good season. Uh, but labor is definitely the one that will be most memorable.
1: Nice, man. That's, that's really cool. Um, do you have any, just kind of immediate sort of takeaways um whether it be from from labor or just those those dynasty leagues you mentioned in terms of kind of heading into the off season this is something that's really going to kind of stick with you as you look ahead to 2022
2: yeah i guess labor would be the one um and i i took a different path with it this year i the year before uh, i was trying to repeat in Tout wars and i lost on the last day to ariel cohen I don't know if you remember that, but i am sure I called you and just cried in my, <laughs> cried in my coffee about it. Um, but uh, basically, I, I called him up in uh, February as the season was getting started, and I said, "Hey, listen, man, you beat me last year. It was a, literally in the last day we tied, but he won on the tiebreaker." And um, and he 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 had lots of thoughts. He was like, "Yeah, you're a really good player, but there's a lot of." holes in your game. And I was like, well, I don't okay. And he really described some things to me that I could get a lot better at in terms of auction strategy. Because I never really had much of an auction strategy before this year. It was just sort of like, all right, these are the guys I like. These are the players that I want to get. And let me see if I can get it. And um and so I really like studied. Like <laughs> I was like, all right, Ariel, teach me. So he did. And over the course of this of the off season, uh, you know, February and March, I really like dove into this idea of value and getting value where I can, figuring out where the value lies in different spots. And it was the key to winning. And, you know, I, it was pretty, pretty significant. I, I had 110.5 points out of 120. So I kind of had it in hand in July and held on. And it was because I had more at-bats than everybody. And I had more innings pitched than everybody. So I think that that's, especially in only league, something that I took away is just you got to get at bats. I mean, you got to get innings pitched. But also, in a 15-team league, the same thing. Like, you know, the old thing that Tim McLeod taught me when I was first starting the game is, like, he can't do any better than getting counting stats. So it was just about finding guys who who were getting consistent playing time. So I would say that on the AL side, um, on the only side. And one other thing about labor, uh, playing in only leagues, What I found was if I have a passion for looking at lineups and also box scores the next day. But I really, you know, at 5 p.m. when all the lineups are typically out, I really look at those lineups because you can see what a team feels about players on their roster by how they choose to put them out there. Right. So like one guy was, uh, it was the Indians. I, I seem to get a lot of Indians in AL labor this year. Like I would just keep cycling them in. There was Owen Miller who was getting a lot of time for a while. And then I noticed that Yu Chang was starting to get some at bats and he went three for three one day and then hit a home run the next day. And I was like, all right, I'm picking up Yu Chang because he's they're going to give him a chance to play. And they did the last two weeks. Didn't do that much. <laughs> um, but but, but again, it's just really understanding how the psychology of the manager is working towards these players. So I think that was something that I, I kind of clued into more this year than ever before.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's extremely valuable advice. Uh, chasing plate appearances, chasing innings. I mean, that's something that I've still got to get better at and definitely in in 15-teamers. I mean, I think in um, in 12-teamers, I've maybe had more success just because you're, you're analyzing skill a bit more than you are playing time because pretty much anyone that you're starting in a 12 teamer should be playing yeah close to every day. Right. And not then, unless
2: you're in playing an only league and then it's a, right. it's yeah. like half of that, but yes, definitely 12 team for sure. It's, it's more about skill than playing time. Cause you're right. Everyone's getting playing time.
1: And then you get to those, those 15 teamers and you have that and mixed leagues. Um, you kind of have that feeling of like, you know, I don't, I know this guy's probably not very good, so I'm going to maybe uh, look past him or or, or not do a, a dive on him because I, this guy wasn't a good prospect. This guy's just, you know, he's probably not going to be that great. Um, but if you wait too long, uh, like some of those guys that broke out on, on the Cubs after they entered their rebuild, sure. um, like if you, if you don't, you know, roll the dice on one of those guys early on for a buck, when it seems like they're playing every day, um, you know you're not gonna you're not gonna end up with them. Um, so that's yeah, that's something that I think you know a lot of people uh, could improve on. And when you look at a lot of the teams who are are doing the best in, um, you know, whether it's TGFBI or or in in some of these NFBC leagues, uh, they're usually right up there in terms of overall plate appearances in in the yeah. overall format. And uh, TGFBI,
2: uh, I, mean, I should say, I ended up. Uh, fourth in my league and I think 67th overall uh, with 106 points um, and that was a tough TGFBI league uh, Ariel was one finished third so he he won a dollar bet from me which is not not so much fun I'm not going to enjoy that I'm doing the beat the shift podcast tomorrow night and we'll he's going to talk all about that I'm sure um, but uh, TGFBI is a big place TGFBI is fun man how, how did TGFBI go for you this season
1: uh, I finished 19th in the overall. Uh, I was up around 10 for a good chunk of the year, kind of fell off down the stretch. Uh, Brian Rudd from baseball HQ who's kind of been um, my nemesis in that uh, that league the past few years. We've, we seem to always just end up in each other's league and um, I had a I probably had a good, like thirty point cushion on him at one point earlier in the year, if not more than that, and he just kept grinding and grinding and grinding. And uh, over the past couple months, it, wow. we'd been kind of neck and neck, and he he passed me uh, for good about uh, a week ago. And wow. um, you know, rudd's a Rud's a great player. Um, well, Vb
2: two is a great player. I mean, you James, you, your record in TGFBI, I think am I'm, I'm sort of i've I've done well. I think every year I've been in the top seventy five, but you've every year you're in like the top twenty. So it's uh, very impressive,
1: yeah, you know i I that's um, probably the one thing I can like hang my hat on. Uh, but i I'm worried that the I don't know if they're gonna still do those sort of overall rankings or not um because if if those go by the wayside, then i then I'm gonna have to actually
2: start winning uh, some some real <laughs> leagues. Um, not still there though, man. Let, you, you're good you're good you know you know the game great uh
1: let's talk a little dynasty here um which is this, my
2: favorite game man I mean yeah, you know yeah. I mean that's it's it really is the most fun dynasty and and one league that you dropped out of last year because you just had too many leagues the Maki league that DVR runs mm-hmm. um it's turning into a really good league like it's people are getting really good and it's a fun. I just really like the setup of that league. And DVR won that league. And myself and Thomas Scott came in second out of sixteen teams. Uh, DVR like just like took it at the end. Um, but it, it, it's the, it, that's it's not a dynasty league, but it kind of acts like a dynasty league. And I, I am kind of leaning that way that I think that the contract leagues, like a really well put together contract league, I might enjoy more than a dynasty league. I'm kind of leaning that way. Or or do you, do you have any feeling about that? Um, well
1: I do, I do auto new, uh, I, am in a a staff auto new league, which is sort of a salary cap league. Um, but you can in theory, keep players forever. they just, their cost just keeps going up like a a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. whereas the league you're talking about, uh, guys have contracts that expire. um, so that that's a factor. Uh you know, honestly, like I'm in I'm in so many leagues that I and like I, I just have so much on my plate during the season beyond managing my teams that I um I, I I'm not as into leagues like that just because you have to really put the time in uh on the on the trading front. Um That's true. I mean you, true. You, you can't You can't just sort of sit back and be like i'm gonna see how everything shakes out and then kind of towards the trade deadline i'm gonna uh contact the the rebuilding teams and make my moves then um and i used to have the time to just you know do a lot of that and I, i was in fewer leagues and stuff but um I just, you know, you can't if, if you're not putting in the time on the trade front in a league like that, you're just not gonna be as competitive as you need to be. Um, yeah, that might be why I enjoy it so much. Cause I, I do <laughs> well, I do like the trades and, and it and, frees it up. And you right, you you you're forced, everyone's sort of forced to make trades in a league like that. Kind of yeah. Because yeah. You, you can't um you can't just sit back because you don't get to keep your guys forever. And you're if you have like some um, like expiring Freddie Freeman, um,
2: or yeah, or Frankie Montas. I I grabbed Frankie Montas and a bunch of those type leagues at the end of the year who are, I mean, I just love Montas everywhere. And, uh, you know, being able to grab him on a 12 C contract where he's going to have to go back. And so you can get him for, you know, a, a, a decent prospect maybe, or a possible prospect because, you know, so I think that's probably why I think that, I think he just kind of hooked into what it was about that league. I will.
1: I mean, I will say though, um, those leagues, you know, I think they have a tendency to be, uh healthier leagues almost than than some right. th- some standard dynasty leagues because That's my point. because you can't you can build an absolute juggernaut uh for a 2 to 3 year window mm-hmm. but inevitably it's going to kind of come to an end because your best players are either going to get way too expensive or they're just going to their contracts are going to expire and those teams that are trying to rebuild you know like if if you're trying to rebuild in in Devils rejects right now like say you take over a team of a terrible roster. Um, like it, it could be done, um, but it's going to be five years. It's going to be five years at least. And you don't have much margin for error. Like right. if, if you're trading away your, your old pitchers or, or whatever uh, for young players, like you, you really have to hit on, on most of those trades and you have to be making really shrewd pickups on the waiver wire and doing really well in the the first year player draft and stuff like that. So um
2: but that's my point but that's exactly my point so like this league that cushing and i have been going back and forth on you know we're going to be rob's team my team with rob is going to be in the top two moving forward for the next five years maybe i don't know about that maybe not but we've been there for i mean i've been there for nine years rob came with me last year and sometimes it feels like dynasty leagues are a little it just feels a little unfair because once you get that advantage because right now in Devil's Rejects, there are three teams that we fought it out this year. So it was Luke Chatillon, uh, myself, and Wilson Caraman, and Greg Wellmeyer. and Greg won, right? But it was going to be one of the three of us. Like the three of us had kind of, and and maybe I think Tom Trudeau just below that um, at four. He'll be ready to come back next year when Trout is better and Acuna is better. Because I think that was a big, huge, obviously losing Trout and Acuna from your team. You're not gonna, you're probably not gonna be able to pull it off. Um, and and Ralph Lifschitz's team is 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 pretty good, but there are a bunch of teams at the bottom that I just don't know. I mean, how long is it going to take them? And whereas in in these contract leagues, you're going to suffer a year, but that that's a fun year to suffer because you can make all the trades to really build yourself up for the future, and then you'll have your time. You know, I, I don't know. It's just something I'm I'm kind of coming to.
1: Yeah, I you know I I totally get that that standpoint and i mean i think it it really does um make it more fun i mean it, any league's more fun if you're talking to say 75 percent of the league yeah um, exactly every couple months on some sort of trade talk then if you're if your kind of lines of communication are sort of limited to just you know three or four guys and and you're Maybe kind of spinning your tires. I mean, yeah, it's I totally get it, and um, I'm I'm just kind of always struggling each offseason. Like, I got to cut down leagues. Like, where am I going <laughs> to where, where am I going to cut the leagues <laughs> yeah, down? Of course, um, because I know, like, you know, inevitably I'll just end up being in one league that I didn't plan on being in, um, or something like that. And it it I th- I don't know about you, but I mean, like, it really I can tell um it negatively affects my in-season management if i'm in too many leagues where i'm like competitive and there are moves to be made you know like in a dynasty league um you know if you're if you're rebuilding or middle of the pack like there are moves to be made um but there you don't have to just be on the constant lookout for something necessarily but like if, if you're in 12 redraft leagues and you're trying to be competitive in all 12 i mean that's a good like three hours every sunday uh just doing fab and yeah. so it's just you know it's it's a major grind um and I'm, I'm trying to get better as a as a redraft player i mean dynasty will, dynasty will kind of always be there but um I'm trying to, you know, I think if I kind of almost have to pick, like, do I want to be in like ten dynasty leagues? Um, some of them contract, some of them not, or uh, really just try to get better as a redraft player. And I, I've kind of chosen that lane um, in recent years, just to, to try to sharpen that that aspect of my game. But I mean, we've just got so many fun options in the fantasy baseball world. It's it's tough to it's tough to pick.
2: Yeah. And, and it is hard when you have too many leagues. I had to, I dropped out of a league that I started nine years ago and had commissioned for nine years, my home league, my friends and family league. And I was like, guys, I just can't do it. I think if I wasn't the commissioner, it would be easier. It was a head to head league too. Like it was set up in like 2012, 2011. Um, But it's just too much. And then, and then it becomes not so much fun. But one thing I want to say, like one of the big things I've learned this year again in dynasty leagues and in keeper leagues. It's all about the waiver wire, man. It's just all about accruing value and finding guys. Like Rob Mershak came to me in early April, and I think it was from you. And he said, we got to pick up this guy, Anthony Volpe. I was like, the Yankees kid? He's like, yeah, we got to, let's let's grab him. I was like, sure. Okay. And so we grabbed (laughs) Anthony Volpe. So now we have a top 15 prospect on our team that we grabbed off the wire. So you don't have to trade. You don't have to make a big trade to get Anthony Volpe. You've just found him, especially at the beginning of the season, right? In in March and April and, and May, these guys who are popping up. And it's like, you know, and a guy that you and I, I remember we drafted in RDI, maybe the second season in the first year player draft, Everson Pereira. Do you remember mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. we had Pereira on our team? And again, another Yankee. and uh, And we just grabbed Pereira off the wire. You know, and that's that. That's just so valuable. Just get, you know, stay awake on the on the wire from the beginning of the season till the end, because there are guys like I picked up Carlos Hernandez everywhere this season. Loved him, except for Devil's Rejects. Yeah, I was gonna I picked, say you didn't yes. get him in Devil's Rejects. No, no, I'm gonna <laughs> tell you what happened because this is a good story. We had picked. We you only get four pickups a week in Devil's Rejects, and that week for some reason we there were like we picked up guys Monday, Tuesday. We picked up like one guy Monday. Two guys on Tuesday and a guy on Wednesday. And then I was like, oh my God, we've got it. And then Carlos Hernandez, it was like his second start. And I was like, Wilson, we got to get Carlos Hernandez. I worked the phones to try to find somebody who would make a trade with me to pick up, so to, to just get an extra pickup. And I just couldn't get it done. And then you guys grabbed him. And you and Eno grabbed him. And I was just like, I was, it was painful. It was painful not to get Carlos Hernandez.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I think this was the best year that we're maybe ever going to have in terms of uh, prospects. I mean, Carlos Hernandez was a prospect for a minute at the beginning of the season, but then he he graduated. But, uh, you know, just young players emerging who are uh, unrostered because of all the the situation with the with the pandemic last year I mean it just it led for just the perfect situation for a lot of players to be better than we knew they were coming into yes. the year. Yeah. And you you're probably never going to see that again. It was it was just really the perfect storm if you're able to add prospects in season in your dynasty league if you were paying attention you could have added 10, 12, 15 guys who finished the year as top 100 prospects just off the waiver wire. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, that that's, that's something that, you know, obviously is, is a game changer because like in, in devil's rejects, like we at, I mean, we're not as competitive as you guys are. Um, We're not, I don't really think it even makes sense to do a full teardown in that league, but. um, Well, you you got
2: I'm looking at right here. You got Everson Pereira on the 22nd, which is actually another smart thing. When you see a smart player in your league, pick up somebody Go take say, all right, well, why did he pick up Everson Pereira? Go pick him up in your other leagues because right. that's just too good. Right. That's, you know, you picked him up on uh, July 22nd. I think we picked him up a week later. I think, we, you know, maybe maybe it was me. I don't remember. Maybe I said, oh, James and Eno just picked up Everson Pereira. Let's go get him. I don't remember exactly how it, how it went down. But I remember seeing you pick him up and us having him before. So it's just really like watching watching what's going on you picked up jake myers very nice yeah i mean
1: i think that's that's a really good point like you should just at least be sort of scanning every week if you're if you're this is a league where it's first come first serve um so you just kind of get the email um that someone picks somebody up but if you're in in a league with with weekly fab you should at least be scanning those pickups uh, every Monday morning and just yes. be like you know, make sure that no one's falling through the cracks that you weren't thinking about. And, and then someone the
2: someone falls through the cracks, and then you can pick them up in in, in another league the next week. It's great. Wow! Look at the, some of these trades you made. I'm looking at the you getting Mitch Haniger and Logan Webb for John Means and Andrew Heaney. <laughs> of April, That's that was a- sweet. That was a
1: Tom special. I, ho- I hope he's listening. Um, <laughs> that's
2: a good trade. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good trade. Boy, that Logan Webb. Who would have guessed? All right. Well,
1: uh, we will be right back, uh, and we'll be talking about some more players, some guys that have given me some, some trouble on my upcoming uh, Dynasty uh, rankings update. But first, a message from our sponsors.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate
1: If there's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire, it's making good decisions, and even more so, making the right decision. Listen up, folks! I have an incredible offer for you with Rotowire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's fantasy podcasts. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user-friendly interface, moneyline bets, boosted parlays, over/unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more are at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head to WinBet's Digital Casino and take a spin on roulette, double down on blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in six states, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, while rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are endless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire wire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download WinBet now, that's W Y N N B E T, WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's Fantasy Podcasts. All right, Ian. Um, so I, I had kind of a list of guys who were giving me some some trouble. I'm about halfway through uh, my my first Dynasty Ranks update of the offseason. Uh, this one will be kind of the sort of initial one but the the big deep dive one will be coming in a few months i know that's that's probably how you operate as well yeah same. um so you know i think the the toughest guys i mean this this isn't a shock i mean it's it's pretty easy to rank someone who we liked going into the year and had a good year right um the the toughest guys are obviously the ones where we either liked them coming into the year and they didn't perform up to expectations or they were just kind of not even on our radar or maybe just you know well outside the top 100 or top 150 and then they just had monster years and then you got to kind of recalibrate and decide where guys belong and uh one guy that I wanted to start off talking about because I know he was on your your AL Labor team is Cedric Mullins um I'm right about that right he was on he was on yeah. that
2: team yeah he was he was a he I got him for $3 yeah action.
1: and you know i didn't have cedric mullins on my top 400 uh coming into the year so like this is a guy who goes uh and and he could have been scooped up i'm sure in you know either in the, the draft or off waivers in plenty of dynasty leagues coming into the year um
2: actually i owned him i picked him up last year in Guardi- in devil's rejects in like august and held him, and then he was on the cut line for me, and I ended up trading him uh, before the season for Jacob Degrom. Not just him; I traded Minaya Baez, Mullins for Degrom. Uh, Wilson and I did, and at the time felt like a brilliant trade. Uh, and had Degrom stayed healthy, we probably would have won. Yeah, um, I mean, I think he, I, <laughs> I think that's uh, that.
1: even if even if Degrom had stayed healthy for like thirty
2: more innings, you guys probably would have won. Yep, um, probably. Yeah. Unfortunately, or if he'd come back or it was, it was, but it's fun. It was fun to have him while he, while he was there, it was really quite good. Uh, Cedric Mullins. So, you know, I I really just liked him. I like guys with speed and he, we knew he was going to run. You couldn't guess that he was going to hit 30 home runs. I mean, there was just no way to guess that. Um, But I did think that I thought, I thought there was a chance. The reason I got him in a labor was I thought there was a chance he'd be the strong side of the, of the platoon in Baltimore, with Austin Hayes, and that maybe if he took off, he might stick. And he more than stuck, obviously. I mean, he he is the he was like the fantasy MVP. Yeah. And
1: so, I mean, you're probably coming at this from a, a higher place than I was. Um, you know, just the fact that you were interested in him at all. Um, you're probably Less surprised, and oh, I'm
2: still shocked. I mean, you couldn't expect this. There was, there was, this was three dollars. You're not going to get thirty. I mean, what do you give? Give it like thirty-five to thirty-eight dollars worth of value this year? I think.
1: Well, it, well, how about this? If I'd said before the season, like, what are the chances that Cedric Mullins finishes the year as a top one hundred guy for Dynasty? What would you say? One percent. Okay. 1%. Yeah. I mean, yeah. No, that,
2: that that was not that was not in the equation.
1: And now that's that's what gives me so much. Pause here is like I think this is something that we sort of learn maybe more in dynasty than in redraft is that um these sort of random pop-up career year type guys like I feel like those guys never get that that do in dynasty until they kind of prove that they are that guy going forward. Uh it's not like Cedric Mullins was a 23 year old who was a top 20 prospect for two years and struggled last year. And, but now he's clicked and now he's, now he's made good on that, that prospect promise. Like this, this really was a guy who was just completely off my dynasty rankings coming into the year. And now statistically there's this, there's this case that he's maybe a top 25 guy top. I mean, I would say he's kind of on the cusp of my top 50 right now. Like, how much, how much yeah. do you buy in on that?
2: Well, I, in my September, late August update, so I did an update right before uh, the trade deadline or the trade deadline in many leagues, um, I had him at 44. So I, I obviously was, was pretty keen to believe that it was really true. Um, and, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think you got to have him in that top, certainly top 50 for me. Um, just the the speed it's all about the speed for me I, I, even if he doesn't hit 30 home runs again i mean he But also is his hit tool like he's hitting for average i mean he he's really like I, I can't think of another player like him over the course of the last many years can you i mean a, a genuine 30 30 guy
1: you know he's he's kind of the player that 7 or 8 years ago i hoped Manny Margot would become um, yeah, right. <laughs> and, right. We, uh, that, yeah, I did that. That's that's still waiting on that one. But like yeah. you know, nah. if if Manny Margot had, I think they're about the same age actually. If, if Manny Margot had come out this year and put up Cedric Mullins' line, I'd be like, oh man, easy top twenty. I mean, maybe top fifteen, like because yeah, it would have yeah, been yeah. my my past bias of loving this guy and loving this guy, and it finally pays off. Um. It's just it's a little harder uh, with a guy that you just weren't on uh, to fully buy in, because I think to me, like the most frustrating thing with doing these dynasty rankings is when I am late to buy in on a guy and then I finally give him that push. And then after I give him that push, then he crashes back to earth and is the guy that I thought he was.
2: Right. Yeah. I, so, I mean, I guess 44 is where I've got him right now. Uh just ahead of Francisco Lindor and right behind Corey Seager uh, with Castellanos is in that area. Pete Alonzo. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking actually mid thirties for me. I'm thinking mid thirties. Okay. At at least. I mean, I I, maybe, maybe even a little higher. I got to dig deeper. into it. Cause I mean, I got guys ahead of them that, yeah, I have guys ahead of them that I would definitely move below them at this point. So yeah, I haven't, again, you know, we, we should be doing this in, in a month when, when I've done my first, after season uh, dynasty rankings. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I get what you're saying. And and the hard part about Cedric Mullins is next year in AL Labor, he's gonna cost 33 or $35 and I'm not gonna get near him. I will not pay that. I won't pay, I I have, a, a, it's a bias of mine. Like if I get somebody super cheap, I'm not gonna pay his regular, like I got Robbie Ray in AL Labor too, which is how the season went the way it did for $4 and next year he's going to be 26 dollars. so i'm not going to get robbie ray
1: yeah i think that that's
2: uh
1: we're we're in lockstep on that philosophy of just you know it's not about doubling down on the guy that broke out for you the past year it's about (laughs) finding finding that next guy yeah
2: finding the Uh, next guy
1: uh so how about um a guy on the complete opposite end of the spectrum like if i told you coming into the year all right, Ian. Uh, Cody Bellinger is going to have mm-hmm. a really rough year. Um, yep. it's not going to be good. Like you know, he. What's he,
2: terrible is I knew you were going to say Cody Bellinger. How about <laughs> that? That's how bad it got. <laughs> I knew it was going to be Cody Bellinger.
1: But you know, just just go with it. Like I'm I'm telling you before the season, Cody Bellinger is going to have a bad year. Um, yep, he's not. He's going to be healthy entering entering the postseason and stuff, or at least listed as healthy and and everything. <laughs> um, but but he but he had a bad year. Like, yeah. how far could you see him falling on your dynasty rankings? Like, what would have been like a realistic low point <laughs> coming into the year on Cody Bellinger?
2: You could not, you could not come up with a realistic one that's going to land to the level that he's going to land. I think. I mean, well, I just, I just don't think so. I mean, he's. I, I was scared of Cody Bellinger coming into this year because of watching that shoulder go out of place last year. And personally, having suffered a couple of shoulder injuries over the course of the last couple of years, and Tim McLeod always used to say shoulder injuries are the worst. Right? Everyone says it, not just him, but um, he, he, especially for pitchers. But yeah, it, it, he he made me nervous. So I was lucky. I, I kind of spared myself Cody Bellinger this year. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, does he still make your top one hundred right now?
1: Yeah it, it sounds it does. sounds like it sounds like I'm going to be higher on him than you are um maybe
2: 88 something like that
1: you know honestly right now i've got him um kind of in the the 60-ish range um
2: yeah and maybe i'm
1: just maybe i'm just being stubborn
2: no i get it though i mean how let me let me just see how old is bellinger
1: that's the thing he's so young he's so young
2: Like he's 26 yeah I mean, 165 average though, bro. No stolen bases, like three stolen bases. So he's not running. He's he's not playing against lefties. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. 94 well, that, strikeouts in 315 at bats.
1: I mean, look, if this was easy, I wouldn't have brought him up. That's right. Um, no, no, no. I, 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 you're right. You're
2: right. You're right. It's uh,
1: it's just it's and and I'm also like Devil's Rejects, like kind of inside a little bit. Uh, I'm I'm. Wondering where I need to rank him so that I don't get an offer from Tom about like like a month from now. Like,
2: well, you actually
1: you had this guy ahead of Uh, your rankings, you
2: know? No, what I what I say to Tom about stuff like that is don't you know? No, no, don't (laughs) that that is that is not league dependent, and 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 but but so like this is why what you did originally and what I did at the beginning of the season is so important because the rank of, of Doing rankings both for teams that are competing and for teams that are not in the absolute hunt. So, someone like Cody Bellinger for a team that's competing, you lower that number. But if a team is not in the absolute hunt that year, you don't want to trade Cody Bellinger. You want to buy Cody Bellinger,
1: right? You- and that's that's where you know and I find ourselves in Devil's Rejects. Like we're ninth, uh, which is. In, I would argue in this league, you don't want to bottom out in this league. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's not okay. really much there's to be no Um but uh, you know, we're not getting into that top five mix by trading Cody Bellinger. No, you're not. Or something right now. Right. No. Like we're getting back into that mix. If Cody Bellinger bounces back and is the guy that we thought he was like two years ago.
2: Absolutely. 100%. So, so that's, you- that's but so predic- but you can't but i wouldn't rank him based on tom right because no you know, of, gonna, of course not I, get, uh, yeah, no sure. no that's not that's not ridiculous i'd do the same thing with Cushing, where he's like well you know you have dj lemayu at you know 102 and i'm asking for gavin lux who you have at 108. So does that make sense? And it's like, yeah, but I'm still not doing that. And he said well, you better change the ranking. I was like, yeah, you're probably right. I guess I better change the ranking. It's one of the worst parts about doing dynasty rankings is when people use your dynasty rankings against you in trades and then say, well, if you're not willing to do that, you better change your rankings. It's like, all right, well, right. it's just kind of, it, it really is like where it is in the moment. And, but no, you can't trade. Here, here's like a big thing that I really do believe and that you and I used in practice as often as we could try not to sell low ever. The only time to sell low is when you have real roster crunches, right? So some leagues like that Maki league that DVR has, there's no IL spot. So you have an injured player, so you got to sell them, right? Cause you need that roster spot to churn players and to put them into your lineup because it changes twice a week. Otherwise a guy like Cody Bellinger, like if someone's coming to get him. I know it sucks because like he he killed you this year. Not I'm not speaking to you, but I'm speaking to anybody. It sucks to have uh, a guy like that on your team. Like I just want to get rid of him. Like for me, Joey Gallo hit 199 in DL one, and the one place where we almost lost the league was an average. It's like, do we trade? And I was talking to Rob about it Monday. Like, hey man, maybe we trade Joey Gallo and. And then he was like, "Yeah, I don't think so." Second year, you always say that Yankees are hard to play for, and second year they get better. And then I was like, "Yeah," and also I'm breaking my own rule, like you don't sell low, not on guys who have talent.
1: I mean, I honestly I think this ties in like one thing that I think has made me a much better player like over the past few years is to just eliminate emotion as much as you possibly can from um, making decisions on players. Like there's just so many people out there who you know hate cody bellinger right now or, or hate christian yelich and think he sucks uh who's another guy i wanted to talk about um and you can target those guys in trades and take advantage of the fact that mm-hmm. they are really just kind of looking to move off of this
2: guy that's what i would recommend like that's what you do go buy guys low because their prices. Is- 70% of what it should be because emotionally, not for everybody. I mean, some people players are, are like that, where they say, I'm not going to let my emotions get the better of me. But if you ever wanted Cody Bellinger, now's the time. Like last year, I traded for Otani in Devil's Rejects and I traded for Otani in DL1 because it was the perfect time to buy him because he just looked like a mess. Well, is, did, it a, is
1: it the perfect time to buy Christian Yelich right now?
2: Yeah, there's no better time to buy Christian Yelich right now. There's you no know, better time to buy
1: him, and I think I'm going back to that well in uh, in redraft next year because I think the cost yeah. is going to be. You're going
2: to get him in the early third, maybe right?
1: I mean, I would, I think maybe, maybe even later fourth, than that. I maybe mean, I was like fourth or fifth. That's
2: one. That's one guy I did not uh, get away from. I got him and I took him in TJ FBI with the 11th pick. I wasn't thrilled about it at the time, but I was like, all right, and uh, Rob's a Brewers fan. So I was like, yeah, hey, let's do Yelich didn't do a thing for us. I mean, he really, he really suffered. But what is he, 31 now? Is he 31? <sighs> 30? Right. um, he could be even 30. Jelic, let me just take a look. Yeah, no, Yelich, Yelich, no, he's 29. I mean, he's not done. You know, the thing I
1: was noticing with him when I was uh, looking uh, at sort of how he finished the year, um he's he got the strikeouts under control uh to close the year. Like Did I know he? he had he had like a 24% strikeout rate on the season, but he was he was under 20 over the last couple months. And so walks that was that was kind of the first step to me was like is he cuz like in 2020, um strikeouts are just through the roof. To me the first step was like you got to get the the approach figured out. Uh and then you can kind of work on trying to get back to that power game and you know, I just I, I don't think uh, we've seen the last of Christian Yelich as a top 30 guy for fantasy. I um, agree with
2: that. And and actually, James, if we were still, if our league was still going, I would, I would be saying, let's go try to buy Christian Yelich. I would not say, let's try to buy Cody Bellinger. I just wouldn't, but I would say, let's try to get Christian Yelich. And I think it's just, I like Yelich's swing better and his approach better. Bellinger is, is more like that swing. is just so much, so, so much fe- going on.
1: Ballinger is the bigger sort of leap of faith uh, of those mm-hmm. two for you.
2: And, um, yeah, I think so. And I think he'd be a lot. I think actually, I think he's less expensive, though he might be similarly expensive because he's got three years less. But I actually buy into Yelich, man. I, I, I'll buy. I'll buy Christian Yelich next season. When when do you think he goes next year in a fifteen team NFBC? I'm thinking like the end of the fourth. Oh wow! Yeah, I'll 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 I'll, I'll try that. Sure.
1: That's it's it. just. You, you, you just you have um, I, I think it's gonna be a good buying opportunity maybe I'm wrong about that and and I still think you know you it takes some conviction to take a guy there who's coming off of like the two years he's coming off of um so it's it's not for everyone and you know I, I just think it's
2: but also you're a, you're a Brewers fan you watch him all the time right what does he look like what is his confidence I'm looking at confidence. Uh, yeah, I have my background for people that don't know I mean, I've been an actor for 25 years, took a sabbatical a couple of years ago, right before the pandemic, which worked out well, started a new business in communications anyway. But I always look at the the psychology of the player. I look because baseball is all about confidence. It's all about whether you think you're going to do well, right?
1: Yeah, and- I, I think, well, I can tell you the swing has looked um Gradually, it's like a very much an upward trajectory throughout the season. This, in terms of how how the swings looking, how his bat speed's looking, Uh, I'd say confidence. We're we're still not quite where we want to be with Yelich, but I do think you know October has a way of changing that. Uh, A a good off season, a good spring Mm -hmm. training has a way of changing that.
2: By the way, and I I didn't mention this. I I do a podcast at the Athletic called Under the Radar. It's part of the Athletic Fantasy Baseball. podcast and it's myself and our friend Derek Van Riper and Nando Defino and we've been doing it for about three years now. And uh, and we talk about this kind of stuff that we're talking about here all the all the time. I just wanted to put a little plug in there for the show. We just did our last episode of the season yesterday and on that show I do a lot of Ariel Cohen impressions. So if you listen to Ariel <laughs> Cohen on Beat the Shift, um he's he's a good friend and I uh, spent a lot of time and I, I put my acting chops to, to work. Um, and so there's a lot of little fun Ariel Cohen conversations with George Washington that happen in post-credit scenes like Marvel movies. Anyway, if you want to check it out, give it, a, give it, give it a, give it a listen. Uh, yeah. All right. So cool on Yelich. I'm kind of glad that we've talked about him now because I'm going to reach out about him in a couple of weeks.
1: Let me ask you about, um, a couple of other guys where it's, they've, they've just massively flipped narratives, um, mm-hmm. over the past like year or so uh francisco lindor and marcus simeon
2: i knew you were gonna ask me about simeon i knew it i knew it we we had Simeon. remember when we traded with uh justin mason we traded a fourth round pick for marcus simeon uh remember that that was fun and then he had that great season and then he had the down season the following year i mean let me let me throw it back to you on simeon where are you on on simeon like how much are you gonna i'm not gonna go out and I, I, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pay for Jorge Polanco because I think that price is significantly less. And I, I I 100% agree with that. You know, it's, it's a similar skill set, dual eligibility in both spots. Second base shortstop. Um, I think in AL labor next year, Simeon goes for 33. And I think Polanco goes for 24 and we've seen Simeon peak and then drop. It'll also depend on where he ends up. I think it, being in that lineup was very helpful for him, you know, but if he's not back in Toronto, I think that changes things.
1: So um, one caveat was Uh If the Houston Astros sign him, I might be in because mm-hmm. his, he's just, he's unlocked this pull side uh, fly ball power that I was looking on baseball savant and he would have had if he just played all his games in houston he would have had 55 homers this year because of the the crawford boxes and i wonder if if houston might be in on him just for that reason they let correa go they bring in Semyon. but um you know i'm i'm gonna be off Semyon most likely in redraft and you know i think i saw him maybe going in like the second round like i can't no that's that's, i'm not gonna do that i'm not gonna i'm not
2: gonna pay that
1: but I think that's a great point on Polanco because I think I saw Polanco going kind of, you know, middle round, like six, six rounds. Yeah, right, like that,
2: right. Exactly. Know? And and he's not he's not a top 10 player, but he's a top 20 player, 20, top 25 player this year. What was Polanco at the end of the year?
1: Um, I can pull, I had that up somewhere.
2: Uh, yeah, I'm going to go for the I'm going to go for the cheaper version of a similar skill set with a similar second base shortstop combo.
1: Yeah, Polanco was thirty third among hitters. Um, and Simeon's probably like eighth. Simeon is or ninth. fifth, ninth. And, ninth. I, and I'm using OBP actually for this because that's, oh, okay. that's what I was doing my dynasty rankings on.
2: So oh, um, so so Simeon, so so Polanco will go up. I believe I believe Polanco's better in average than in OBP. I, that's that's right. I think right. Um, so I mean, still good in OBP. But, but that's, that's, that's where you save a little bit of money. You save, so you get that second round pick and say, no, I would not consider Simeon in the second round. But I could be wrong And whoever picks him in the second round and if he goes and wins the league next year or she goes and wins the league next year, God bless you and I'm wrong. But that's my, my instinct. On Lindor is a perfect example of what I was talking about earlier about not selling low. We own him in Devil's Rejects. I'm not trading Francisco Lindor. No, just not going to do it, you know? I'm not no. going to go out of my oh, way. To definitely. Definitely. Couldn't have traded him. Yeah. Can't trade him. You just have to, you have to sit with him and and trust this uh, living in New York. The second, the first year in New York is really hard. You know, I mean, you look at some of the emotional issues that he was having and when bias came over, I don't think bias is coming back. That's for sure. Well, <laughs> I, I say that, but I, I could be wrong, but you know, y- he'll get more comfortable. And Lindor is just such a great player to have uh, on so many fronts, but you got you to gotta rebuild that value. That's the thing. This is what I say. Like, I know you hate Christian Yelich right now if you own him in the dynasty league and you hate Cody Bellinger. You want him off your team. Fine. Wait till he does something good for a week. Then trade him. You just got to deal with him. It's just sitting there on your on your roster. It's like Tommy John guys. Same Same theory behind it. Like, don't trade your really good pitchers Tommy John because if, let me share this. Can I share this? Someone like Mike Clevenger. I think I've said this on, on, I know I've said this on other shows, but I don't think I've said it on the show. So Mike Clevenger, he gets Tommy John or no Chris sale. Let's say Chris sale. Cause he finally ended up coming back. And I owned him in that first deal. One league. The moment you have Tommy John, the moment it's said that you're Tommy John, someone's going to come and try to get him. And you're like, Oh, go away. Screw you, dude. Leave me alone. I'm like, I'm not mad enough. And so you sit there, but then he's on your roster on your injured list for 11 months. And he's just sitting there. What I like to do is like six months into them, having them sit there is when I try to go get them. Interesting. That's, uh, because yeah, I mean, then the price falls. Like first they don't want to sell because they're pissed and like, you're trying to get over on them by getting them for cheap. But then they get tired of looking at them there and they're like, hey, you know what? I'll just get some value for him, and then you can get a good player.
1: And it's the perfect storm if you can do this kind of mid season while they're trying to compete. Yes, absolutely perfect storm.
2: And we just held sale. We held sale in DL one all and I wouldn't trade him. People were trying to get him. It's like, nope, not trading him, not trading him. Because you know how much I love Chris Sale. I mean, I don't love him because I'm a Yankee fan and he's a Red Sox, but what how much I love him in fantasy. And uh, but no, don't don't sell low. Don't sell low. That's the key. And don't look, the other thing is like don't go all in. Do you, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, just don't because it, it's not necessarily going to help you. You're not necessarily going to get there. I don't know. I, I I could be on the wrong page on that, but especially in a dynasty league, like if you buy all the old players and give up all your young players for that one season, you're going to you, suffer for five years after that.
1: That's not how you build. Um, no. Nope. And I mean, that's, that's a good recipe for you ending up like leaving the league in, yeah that's what i was gonna say years,
2: you know? <laughs> exactly what i was gonna say not even we're like oh, i didn't because because then you've lost you've lost the league like i had somebody who bought craig kimbrell for me for like and where they thought they were ready to compete this is five years ago i'm not even gonna mention his name he bought craig Kimbrel. uh no it was the 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 japanese reliever for the cardinals what was his name do you remember um, the closer for the Cardinals who had like t- uh, two good seasons. Oh, I think his last name was Oh. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yes. Uh, San Juan yeah, right. Maybe. I, uh, <laughs> I, don't know. I think I'm pretty sure it was. Oh. And basically what, what ended up happening was, um, I got Jose Barrios. So this is back, back in the day. It was like Jose Barrios, Jesse Winker and a first round pick. And then flipped Barrios. So it was 2016. I then flipped Barrios immediately for Aaron Judge. And so, and then Satter Hero O lost his job. Or I don't think I said his name right. So sorry. sorry. It's definitely not Satter (laughs) Hero. Right. No, it was the great, the great Giants (laughs) slugger I've traded. No. Um, And then got Aaron Judge back in that trade. And a year, and that that guy, nice man, dropped out of the league next year, the following year. Because he had spent all this time. And he's like, all right, I'm I'm finally ready to compete. I'm going to do it. Be careful. Don't give up all your chips. It's not worth it. Build incrementally. It's a dynasty league. It takes time. It takes time. I made a ton of dumb moves, by the way. A ton. Uh, like traded Wander Franco for Nola two years ago. Still. I mean yeah. I,
1: I mean I that could be a different pod where we just cry. Yeah, about we, old, old bad trades we've made. we we you and I made a couple. You oh, and yeah. I made a
2: few. Yeah. Back I mean, you day.
1: you really like any ask anyone who's played dynasty even someone who's played for a long time like they can tell you a recent bad trade they've made um yeah. in no time right like absolutely it's just it's just gonna happen it's part it's part of the game it's part of the fun of the game i agree both
2: um ways. got anything you want to add i know we gotta we gotta wrap up here no we're good we got another couple of minutes i'm, I'm actually i was able to move my 11 o'clock to 11 15 so i got a little bit more time
1: okay uh, well uh jared Kelnick, what do you do with him you buy him. <laughs> but, but the like, obviously, sure. Like, I mean, we would all trade for Jared Kelnick if the price is right. Um, yeah. I mean, Cedric Mullins or Jared Kelnick? Ooh, that's so good.
2: I'm going to hit it back to you Cedric Mullins or Jared Kelnick. <laughs> I think I'm going to go Kelnick. I think I'm going to go Kelnick there. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. It's really, that's that's a good one. That's a good one. No, uh, I, I mean, I, that's not how I want you to buy it. I'll
1: be honest. <laughs> I, I have Mullins on this tentative list I'm working on. I have Mullins two spots ahead of Kelnik. Mm-hmm. That's so, fun. Yeah.
2: Oh, that's a, that's a good one right there. No, but like last year, the off season was the year to buy Joe Adele, right? For sure. This year is another good year to buy Joe Adele. Keep buying Joe Adele. Um, if you believe that Joe Dell is going to, going to be, but Kelnick coming off a 181 average really struggled, but then started to turn it on over the course of these last three weeks. Right. And started to look like, started to get comfortable. You know, he's like a freshman in high school playing on the varsity. It's going to take a little bit of time, but do you believe I'm, you're the prospect guy? You're a better prospect guy than anybody, as far as I'm concerned, and certainly better than me. What do you think is Kelnick? Do, do you believe?
1: Um, I, you know, I'm mad at myself for um, ever moving him into the the top two, uh, because like I, he, I mean, that's a kind of a perfect example. Like this is a guy that I was sort of lower than everyone on, lower than everyone on, and then like I finally was like, all right, fine, he's he's the top two or three guy. Um, I, you know, I think that at the end of the day, it's, it's going to maybe look like Michael Conforto with
2: 20 steals. No. Okay. Well, all right. So let me ask you this, Brennan Davis or Jared Kelnick? Cause you have Brennan uh, Davis at three, my man. So
1: here's a, here's a, a sneak peek, uh, at what I've got. Mm.
2: Um, I'm sorry. I have access to your list. Maybe I should, well, well, no, sorry no, um,
1: that. no, uh, no, no. No, that's not a sneak peek. I mean, that's that's live on the site. Um, but just for the dynasty ranks, when we're factoring in the prospects with the big leaguers, I'm going to have Julio Rodriguez and Bobby Witt inside the top 20, just inside. And the next prospect isn't going to be inside my top 60. So, like, that's how big the gap is to me between Rodriguez and Witt okay. and Davis, who I have at three, Riley Green, who I have at four. Those two to me are kind of interchangeable. Um, but I mean, I just, it's, it cannot be overstated to me just how big that gap is. Uh, I know I've, I'm sounding like a broken record on that. Um, no, but important. I, you know, I actually would take Kalnick over, over Davis, uh, okay. just because, you know, I think it's, it could very easily be a thing where Brendan Davis goes through his own, like two yeah. plate appearance.
2: But so that's where, what, and let me say guy. this, let me say this is very important. Don't buy Brandon Davis right now. No, no, Don't no. buy if, if they're on James Anderson's top, if they're in their top 10 or James Anderson's top 20, okay? Please don't try to buy them because there's going to be a moment when they're going to come up to the major leagues and they're going to struggle.
0: Right. They're going to.
2: This top 20 list that is right here that ends with Nick York, uh, with Robert Hassel, Josh Lau, Josh Low, not Low. See what I did? Those guys are going to drop. Don't pay the big price for the shiny penny right now. Yeah, unless I, I mean, you could argue if James has Rodriguez and Witt in the top twenty, maybe that's different.
1: I, I still, I mean, I I one hundred percent cosign what you said. I mean, like you, it's just it's bad business to trade uh, for prospects. When they're kind of at that peak of the and that is that's where these guys are. If they're in the top 10, top 15, I mean, in many cases, this is going to be the peak of their value. Yes, and you just that's a good time
2: that actually you're right. And that's the time to sell them. I mean, but but see, like, there's some guys I'm not going to sell, I'm not selling CJ Abrams. If I own him only in one league, he's going nowhere, nowhere, nowhere. I love him too much, right? So you can keep them and keep growing them but try not to buy them or if if you're going to buy them, like make sure it's a good deal. Well,
1: I like, I I don't mind a challenge trade. Like if you have a guy who's in my top 10 and you want to go after another guy who's in my top 10, like by all means, you know, prospect for prospect. Um, Or if, or if you can trade, you know, three guys in the 20 to 50 range for one guy in the top 20, like,
2: you know, the, yeah. well, it depends um, how high in the top and depends. Yeah. And depends on who those guys are. Right. Although the, you know, I like the depth. I, I, you know what, I wish we weren't done and I wish we could do like just the whole thing on all these prospects. I would love to kind of come back at some point and just go over your thinking on that. Cause really, and because of our friendship and because of our partnership, I always have had access to your, um, prospect list. I don't change anything, I don't do anything, but I'll always like go take a look and say, all right, what is, where does where's James have him? And I'm not the only I'm far from the only one who does that. I think I feel like most of the industry does that. There are other great guys too, without question. Not a shot at anybody. It's just, you know, you're you're the guy that I trust the most because I understand you're thinking about these players better than anybody. And I guess I kind of want to ask you about, I want to ask you about all these guys. Jeez, ask, really ask me about a couple. Yeah. All right. Um, and then I do have to go because I gotta okay. get um. Young, I get it. I mean, I get it. Look what he's doing. I guess the one question I would have for you is, you have that much faith in Corbin Carroll, even after missing a key season. And you'd have to think that before the season, I was thinking 2022 on Corbin Carroll. I love Corbin Carroll. Own him, love him, own him. Um, But really, still a top 10 prospect. How how do you say that when we have nothing from it?
1: Well, I think he would be the number three prospect with a bullet right now if he hadn't gotten hurt um now i mean it's sort of how much do you want to hold the injury and the lack of reps against him um but just in terms of skills and makeup i mean he just checks every single box love him so much
2: 16th pick 16th pick
1: like so, yeah. if we want to just talk about like guys who could just be absolute game changers in fantasy for speed and the guys in the top, mm-hmm. the top 10, I mean, it's, it's basically Abrams and Carol. Yeah. Um, like wit, wit's probably going to steal
2: 20 plus bases. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, eventually it's not why you, that's not, why you, it, that's not right. the, the main, the main right. draw, but um, that's what I'm looking for. James. I mean, aren't you like, I'm looking for speed. Speed is so valuable in fantasy baseball steals
1: yeah and the guys who the guys who can steal 30 plus bases and help you in batting average and help yes. you in runs an rbi and hit 20 plus homers wow. like it's that's like the the elite you know that's let me like, ask
2: you i got two players to ask you about uh and, and then I, I do gotta go and by the way this is just what we do when we're on the phone which was cool because we didn't have a run down here we we're just like so it's just like we're just gonna do like a phone call yeah like we're just gonna do a phone call um the two guys I want to ask you where they are, if you don't mind sharing, Starling Marte, where you have him, and Whit Merrifield. I'm really curious about both of those guys. Mm. Uh, well, because of the age, because right. of the age.
1: Um, yeah, where where do you put a guy who's 34? who is just coming off his best season in Starling Marte. Right. Uh, 47
2: stolen bases and, now, like, caught, like, I don't know, I think, like, twice? I don't know. Maybe more, but not well, many so,
1: times. So, I – tentatively, I have him around 70. Um, like, like, would you trade – like, I have him – from a prospect standpoint, I have him right by Adley and Spencer Torkelson. Um and so
2: Yeah, and I would trade Marte for for both of those guys right now. I mean, that's the trick. I have him at fi- I had him at fifty nine in September, and then he just kept stealing more bases. I mean, this
1: is Starling Marte and Whit Merrifield are perfect examples of what you were talking about with the the ranks for rebuilders, ranks for contenders. Um, because I mean, that's just such a big game changer thing. Um, Whit Merrifield, I have like twenty spots lower because this is again, this is for OBP. And traditionally, both those guys have been better on average than OBP. Uh, Marte just kind of flipped a switch this year, and now he's just a, a stud in everything. But, um, like, the the guys who rely on their speed and don't really hit for a ton of power who are in their early to mid-30s, like, I kind of rank them low to kind of give the reader, like, a nudge, like, this is when you should be moving off of Starling Marte in a dynasty League. Yeah, um, I get it. This is when you should be moving off with Merrifield. With
2: Merrifield, who's now thirty two years old, but he had 40 stolen bases, only got caught four times, 277 average. That's just a lot of 97 runs, 74 RBI. I mean, dual eligibility, second base and outfield. You know, so if we were doing a rebuild list, you gotta put him in the 80s. And if you're doing a win now list, maybe you're putting him in the 30s, 40s. I mean, you could put Starling Marte like top. Thirty-five.
1: If you're if you're trying to win now, I mean, I mean, if
2: you're trying to win now, you could put Starling Marte in the top thirty. Yeah, top top. 20. I mean, he helped win leagues. Forty-seven stolen bases, guys. That's insane.
1: Who would you rather have? Um, context neutral, Whit Merrifield or Anthony Bulpey?
2: Whit Merrifield. Okay. I think. I, I mean. But tell me quickly why Volpe you have so high? Uh,
1: I just think the the hit tool is a game changer, and he he's showing that he can get to the power. Like usually with guys like this, it's like a question of are they going to get to the power, and he's kind of already showing it. Um, but I I will say this: like here's a little um, nugget on on Volpe that I've sort of been thinking about for about a month is he does kind of remind me of prospect Gavin Lux in, in many ways yep. in terms of just, um, that one monster breakout year where, you know, the, the plate skills, the, the hit tool, um, the combination of power speed just looks kind of unassailable. Um,
2: we could do so, a whole episode just on Gavin Lux. <laughs>
1: we could now. We I mean, get, and now Gavin Lux is going to be a trendy guy in drafts for for twenty twenty two because I'll be finished.
2: Uh we'll see how he does in the. Uh, we'll see if he gets playing time in in the playoffs mm-hmm. and whether whether he succeeds. I think that that's going to be that. There, there's a guy back to the confidence that it matters. His yeah. lack of confidence this year really hurt him. So we'll 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 see. But Whit Merrifield and Anthony Volpe, I think, I. Th- Uh, I still think Merrifield because I think that, let's say I had Merrifield and someone came to try to get him and had Volpe. I have them both on this particular team, but if someone came, I would say I need a little bit more than Volpe, maybe a pick as well, maybe like a second rounder or something. If you want the value present, the present value, because he's got, he's going to give you another four or five years of really good value. It's going to give you two years of really good value. And then after that, it's going to slow down a little bit, but he'll still play. And I love the dual eligibility. It's huge. That second base outfield. He he held that, right? He did enough?
1: Uh yeah. So yeah, I he did. He say, did. Yeah, yeah I want to say that he did too. All right. Well Ian, before I let you go, tell people where they can find your work and where they can follow you.
2: Um, so I'm over at on Twitter at IanCon4. Um, that's my fantasy baseball account. If you follow me on IanCon, you're not going to get any fantasy baseball content. Um, so IanCon4 for fantasy baseball. And at The Athletic, it, we, under the radar, a part of the fantasy baseball um, uh, network. And we typically do our shows on Tuesdays in the offseason. We're going to do every other week. For a while, uh, Nada Defino, Derek Van Riper, and myself, and it's fun,
1: and it's a, it's
2: a fun show. We have we have a really good time.
1: Yeah, I would strongly recommend listening to everything Ian does over at yeah. the Athletic and the sure. Dynasty
2: Rankings. I'm sorry, I should have said, and I also do do the Dynasty Rankings over at the Athletic. Yeah, you got to check those out, uh, and
1: definitely follow him on Twitter, Ian. This has been a blast. Thanks so much for uh, joining me today. I know you're a busy guy, but uh, nah. this was a ton of fun. Yeah, great. Always fun. Always fun, buddy. This is the RotoWire Fantasy Baseball Podcast brought to you by WinBet. I will be back next week talking to Chris Welsh, previewing the Arizona Fall League, and my Dynasty ranking should be hitting the site uh, sometime Friday.